everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I'm Paul Ponte. I'm here with Jason Styles, wrestling trainer, wrestler, uh, booker, everything pretty much under the sun as far as wrestling comes. Jason, how you doing tonight? Good. How you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Enjoying this wonderful quarantine. Oh, absolutely. Time at home spent yeah. making podcasts. <laughs> That's pretty much all we can do. Having a good time doing it. So Absolutely. So, Jason, I've known you for quite a while now. It's yeah. been... Gosh, I've probably known you for 20 years now, which is uh, pretty crazy. Probably, probably yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you're pretty much uh, one of the go-to guys when I used to start going to indie shows uh, in the Bay Area. When I went to go see Big Time Wrestling, I worked there for a little while doing the website yep. and everything. Um, but how did you get started into wrestling? How did you find yourself at Big Time Wrestling? You know, how did, how did all this come about? Well, let me start off by saying I didn't grow up a wrestling fan at all. Um, I didn't, wasn't one of these kids watching it from, you know, since they can remember wanting to be a wrestler. I thought wrestling was probably the dumbest thing on the planet. I'm like, this stuff is so fake and dumb. I just, this just whatever. So it wasn't until my senior year in high school I was at my brother's house and he had Saturday night's main event on. And I was like, well, once he had that, I'm like, just turn, this is stupid. And then he, they went back after a while and it was macho man versus Honky Tonk Man, and Honky Tonk Man had the Heart Foundation with them. And they held Macho Man, and he whacked him in the head with the guitar. Very, And that's when Elizabeth went and got Hulk Hogan. And from that moment on, I was just completely bit by the wrestling bug. Anything after that point in my life, since till this day, has been consumed with wrestling. Whether it be watching it, thinking about it, doing it, or, or what have you. So that's got me started interested in, in, in wrestling. And that night, I even said... I want to be a wrestler. And so for the longest time, now, now there was no internet, so you couldn't just go on and log on and find a wrestling school. I mean, it was by word of mouth or if channel two did a segment on it, um, like, you know, becoming a professional wrestler, you'd have to call channel two or whatever. But lucky for me, um, I heard uh, on 98.5 KOME in San Jose uh, in 1991, I heard a wrestler on the air talking about an upcoming wrestling event at the Newark Pavilion. And that wrestler was Hawkeye Shane Cody. And I call, I was driving home at the time, uh, listening to the radio and there was no cell phones. So I know no yeah. cell phones. So I quickly got home and got inside and ran into the phone and called KOME, got on the, on, on the air. And I actually won tickets to see this event. And that's how I met Woody Farmer and shortly after that, in the end of 1991, in December of 1991, I started training at his school. It's kind of funny how I, I talk about that because here I have the original paper that I signed. Holy crap. Yeah. And it actually has like the, the I started on, my start date was 12-4-91 and my graduate, I was supposed to graduate on 6-8-92, but I actually started wrestling. My first match was May 15th, 1992, which is this upcoming Friday. So this wow. Friday will be 28 years since I've had my first professional wrestling match. And the stats, it has the stats and the goals, but this is the actual paper, the form that I had to sign. So it's kind of just a part of I don't have much of my memorabilia, but this is something I, I don't know why I held on to that. But yeah, so that's how I started. I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up a big fan like, you know, from a kid, no, not at all. The exact opposite of that. I thought it was dumb. 
Yeah. Well, uh, for anyone who's watching or listening and is not too familiar with uh, Bay Area wrestling, uh, eventually that would end up becoming big time wrestling. And that's what you wrestled in for a very long time. Right. So, so Bay Area wrestling, it was a promotion that was run by Woody Farmer and, and, and Shane Cody. And after I think 19 end of 92, beginning of 93, they, they, they went out, they folded up, they stopped doing it. And then I went over to a guy named Paul Brown school in, in Concord. And he was running a, a, you know, a school in a promotion uh, for a little while. And then Kirk White opened up big time wrestling. I want to say in 1997, I want to 96 or 97 is when big time wrestling opened. And I was on one of their first shows and I was there for many, many, many years. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's that journey of starting in Bay Area wrestling. And that, you know, the cool thing about uh, Woody Farmer's promotion is that it was actually televised in three Western States. Every Monday night it was on sports channel America. So my very first match was, te- was, was a TV taping. So, you know, and actually, I, you know, I actually have pictures of that match um, here with me to show, I don't know how well you're going to see, but, uh, I don't know. Can you see that? <laughs> it's me. Yeah. I, I, my first match was against a guy named Boris Gibanoff, And, uh, I mean, I had the mullet and everything and the tiger stripe pants, red and black with red boots. And, you know, looking back on that, it's like, oh man, <laughs> it probably wasn't a very good match. Yeah, and people like to assume, based on all, you know, the, the kind of the rewritten history by WWE, that once WWE got big, territories that were done. But that's not really the case. No. Like, you were pretty much wrestling in a territory in California. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that being said, so, yeah, so our, the, the, the show was in three Western states. But keep in mind, at that time, when this show was being televised in Oregon, Washington, in California, there was still Pacific Northwest Wrestling that was run by... Owens, Don Owens, I think it was. And there were still territories then as well. I mean, there was still, you know, there was world-class championship wrestling. Still, there was the USWA. There was the AWA. There was the NWA, WCW, WWF. Uh, There was a ton of promotions. And, you know, back then when I started, uh, you could go work these places and make a decent living. But shortly after I started, now I was in nowhere, no, you know, uh, condition to go wrestle at any of these places but i mean you could actually still make a living unlike it is today i mean there's you can't go anywhere the only places you can really make money is wwe or aew i guess right is that yeah i mean well you, impacts around but i don't know how. But, but I, I, i'm talking yeah so yeah but that's in canada now isn't it ah uh, shoot i don't know where they're taping right now but yeah i mean there's there's stuff around but not all of them are guaranteed you know that's why you see a lot of the same names pop up in a multiple indie shit wrestling shows because you can't just work one and do fun. There's there's no money in wrestling any longer. I mean, I mean, unless you're a name that just got off TV, then you can do the indies. But as an indie wrestler, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, well, there's a lot of promotions now, I guess, but I don't know how the money is. I never I never wrestled to make a living at it. I always just wrestled as a hobby, maybe because you know. You got to eat. You got to have health insurance and stuff like that. So, I mean, I yeah, guess, I, I guess you don't have to. But yeah, we had a good. I had a good talk with Boone about that. The health insurance side of pro wrestling, and uh, you got to have it because yeah. you know, it, in this line of work, I mean, you can get hurt. I mean, I've been hurt several times. I mean, I've had several surgeries. I've had my knee operated on, my shoulder operated on, elbow. 
you know, fingers that are broke that you have to get pins in. I mean, this, you know, if you don't have insurance, I mean, well, you're not going to get fixed, you know? Yeah. You don't wrestle for 28 years, brother, not having health insurance. You got to have something, you know? <laughs> so you talk about your first big moment is seeing the Honky Tonk Man and the, and the Heart Foundation, Randy Savage. Now, later on, you end up getting to meet a lot of these people and work with a lot of these people. Yeah. How, and how does that, you know, impact you mentally? Like, do you just have a mind-blowing moment where you're like, wait a minute, these are the guys that got me into wrestling and now I'm facing them. Absolutely. So um, when you see something that got you interested in something and then all of a sudden you're actually meeting that person and then soon enough you're wrestling that person, I mean, it is mind-blowing and it kind of makes it full circle for you. The people that got you interested you're now in the ring with them as a, an equal or, you know, or a peer that, you know, you've learned the art of wrestling and now you're doing it with these guys, the guys that inspired you to do it. So yeah, it's a complete trip. So yeah, but it's a, you know, it's a great moment that when you step in there and you're like, Oh man, I'm actually going to do it with, you know, the honky tonk man or Jim, the anvil Nightheart, And then, you know, Bret Hart and you know, it, it's a, it's a trip. So, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I've been blessed and very fortunate to have these opportunities handed to me and, you know, most guys don't get these kind of opportunities. So I've been, I've been very lucky and very fortunate to have these opportunities and I'm very thankful for those opportunities. So. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a trip because like what, when I first got into, you know, watching big time wrestling and working there, I noticed it was like, man, they get a lot of names to come to shows and autograph signings and stuff. So, you know, you're seeing guys like uh, you've seen Billy Gunn, you've seen hockey talk, man, uh, Bret Hart, you know, just tons and tons and tons of people. Uh, so when when you see all these people and they're coming through, uh, you know you're kind of the go-to guy a lot of the times. I noticed when when you were there, uh, it was you know well we're having a name come in. Who's going to work with him? Who's going to be safe with him? Who's going to give this guy a good showing in the ring? And you're the guy that go to that they go to. Uh, so what is that like as far as you know if you're working with local guys, you're kind of the seniority list guy, and then now you're facing these names that come in. Right. And what's it like being the guy that's kind of working under them now? So, so, I mean, it, it, it's great that you're working a name and it's a lot of fun, but you know, you're, you're really, um, how you say you're, you're, you're do what they want to do versus you working with an, another guy, one of your peers from the local scene, you can do a lot more with him. You can, you know, when the star comes in, you're doing what the star wants to do. You're not going to say, you know, uh, whoever I'm going to power bomb you. Not that I ever do power bombs and I'm going to give you this, you know, 450 not that I ever did one of those either but, but what I'm saying is is that they're going to tell you what they want to do and that's pretty much what you're going to do versus having more freedom to do different spots whatever with an, a, another local guy so that's where I mean it's great that you're working a name guy and it's great on a resume I don't know for what but other wrestling I guess wrestling other guys I guess but that part's fine and it's great. And it's say, Hey, I work this guy. I work that guy, but you're not going to be doing what you want to do. And that's part of the business as well is, you know, anytime they say the big star comes in, you say, what do you want to do? You know, it's up to you and you just listen and do what they want to do. Cause they're not going to do anything that they don't want to do. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not, they're not going to go there and put you over and make you look great. You know, they're the guys that are getting all the money and you're there to make them look good and, and entertain the fans as well. So. Have any of the returning guys been specific? Like, oh, I want to work this guy again because I know we did good last time. Uh, like, you mean like the name guy? 
Yeah, like does he come back and he's like, oh, let me work that guy again because. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, I'd see these guys around like at other promotions, whatever, like you know, for either out in, you know Vegas or or in Sacramento, and they would remember me. Or and but like Jim Neidhart or Billy Gunn, they say, oh, Jason, hey, what's going on? Am I working you tonight? They're like, no, nah, you're not. Oh, darn! I wish I, you know, whatever. I'm making that part of it, but they're like, this guy sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but sometimes, yeah, they would, they would, you know, request to work you or something like that, you know, certain guys, but a lot of guys, they wouldn't come back again. So, I mean, it, it all depends on where they were at or when they were available to come back, it, you know, but like a guy like Chris Masters. Yeah. I've worked him with, you know, a lot of times and, you know, I'm, I don't know if he ever asked to work me again, but. We've always had decent matches, so maybe. Do you find that or, most you know, people? A lot of guys I did work. I, I've, like I said, I've worked guys several times. So, like, you know, like Sabu, I've, I've worked twice at, at two different times. And, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but. <laughs> I don't know how much Sabu remembers, to be honest. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't know how much that guy remembers. Great, very nice guy, though. I, I, oh, yeah, super nice, but. Yeah. Very safe and not reckless, not stiff true gentleman so i'm not gonna say nothing bad about him but yeah so has any guys come in uh making maybe working a little too stiff or snug well I, you know believe it or not i mean one of the nicest guys i've ever met in wrestling was tatanka and you know you see this guy and he's a big guy i mean people probably don't realize how big he is another guy that's actually bigger than you think he is is billy gunn billy gunn's like six six most yeah. people like, when I first saw Billy Gunn, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is huge. And I'm only, I'm 6'2". They say I'm 6'2". And I'm like, this guy's towering way over me. But back to Tatanka, such a nice guy. We're talking it over the, in the locker room. Are we are we exposing the business by me saying that we talked it in? <laughs> I think people and, pretty much know. Anyways, so we go out there and this dude is just stiff. The nicest guy, but oh my God, he just like, he, he wasn't like potatoing me on purpose or, you know. He was just, that's just the way he worked. And I swear to God, he was chopping me and I would chop him back as hard as I could. And my hand looked like a posted stamp on the wall because his chest was so big. This guy was like a walking Coke machine. Seriously, <laughs> from side to, from, you know, from front to back, the guy is so thick. And he body slammed me and I thought he almost threw me right through the, the ring to the floor. Oh, Jesus. And the funny thing is Frankie Kazarian worked him the night before and the, the boys were saying, Oh yeah, dude, Frank was saying, Jason, get it in on them while you can. And I kid you not by, by time I got home that night, I was so sore. I couldn't even roll over in my bed. I was that sore, that wow. sore, but he was such a nice guy. And I, I, you know, you think when you're going over the, you know, you're going over the back and he's such a nice guy and had a nice conversation Oh, it's going to go fine out there. It'd be light, you know, like honky tonk, man. You can't even feel him, you know, go out there. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> another guy that I, that was very, very snug, but another nice guy. And it wasn't reckless was, was Matt Hardy. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's just the way they work. Cause they were probably always getting pinballed around and, and, and beat up in, in the, you know, WWE or WWF at the time, whatever. But man, I thought he would be a night off, but man, that guy was snug. And, but, but very safe. I mean, he wasn't being like a dick, mm. you know, that's just the style that he worked. See, I'm so old school. I mean, I'm just like, if, if you can ask anybody, they're like, are you even hitting me? I'm like, well, yeah, that, I just work light. That's just 
what I've always taught, you know, as like, you know, your show's called the wrestling, or the, the wrestling handshake. Yeah. Indie handshake. Indie hand, I'm so sorry. Indie handshake, you know, and if you had a grip, you know, guy said you're stiff and you know, but I've always been very light and still today, very light. How was Tatanka's handshake? I think it was light. But <laughs> Nobody told him? Damn. <laughs> I don't think anyone wised him up. He beat the shit out of me. But, you know, the thing is he got Frankie Kazarian the night before, so that's okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Uh, does it seem like most people, when they come through, their attitude's pretty good? Or has anyone been like, maybe well, like, okay, we're a star, but come on, man. Like The, the only guy that, that comes to mind that was a complete... Uh, I know I don't want to swear because I do have an expanded vocabulary, so I don't need to use swear words. Oh, swearing's a, fine on this podcast. Oh, You're okay. Was a, sorry, it was a complete dick. Was uh, the Mamaluke guy? Um, what's his name? Um, it's Tony Mamaluke? No. Vito. Vito, that guy. Oh my god. Oh, so okay. So Johnny Stromboli, I wrestled him twice as Relic, and he's so nice. Very cool guy. But Vito, oh my God! I mean, that I don't know what that guy was on that night, but man, he we did a spot, opening spot, and he screws it up, and he just starts taking it out on me, like I did something wrong, and he is a complete jerk. Just that's one guy, and I've wrestled a lot of name guys. And I'm not bragging or, or trying to throw names around, but I have, and by far, he always stands out as the guy that was just the biggest dick. Um, just. I don't know if he was on something. I think he was on something because he was, just, he's just a weird dude. And then just the way he just went about doing business was just like, man, what's wrong with this dude? So Did you say anything to him after the match? You know what? He, he was just talking to me, like being like talking down to me is like, dude, like, I'm just like looking at him going, if you know what? I'd punch you in the freaking mouth, but I'm not going to, he'd probably beat me up. I don't, <laughs> but what do I know? Um, but I wanted to punch him in the face because he was just being a complete jackass. Just reading me the right act. I sold for you. And with that New York accent, and it's just, I'm like, dude, this guy's a douche. But yeah, yeah, it's just, it's one of those matches you definitely want to forget, but you never will because it was probably just one of those times where it's like, this guy's a dick. You know, I've in my 28 years, I've never, ever, you know, people F up and it's just part of it. I mean, if you can't cover it up, you just, it's just go on. You know, most people get so bent out of shape. Oh, that guy messed up a spot. And, you know, if you cover it up, it's fine. Um, you think the people are really going to go home that night and say, you know, that guy messed up that spot. No one cares, really. Yeah. People just get over it. No one cares. They're not going to go home and talk about it. In two days, they definitely forgot about it completely. So just enjoy yourself while you can in the ring and just try to learn from every experience in the ring. Don't oh, yeah. Recently, Christopher Daniels, he got featured because he because he botched. And everyone like made like this massive deal. I'm like, dude, I've seen that guy botch like twice in like 30 year wrestling career. <laughs> and you guys are calling attention to this like seriously? Christopher Daniels? Yeah. I've seen that guy botch a lot. Oh really? Oh never mind. Yeah. I've seen him on WCW do like a flip and land on his head. That one I saw, and I'm surprised that guy he didn't break his neck that night. I know. <laughs> I've wrestled Christopher Daniels, a great nice guy. You know, let's just drop. I mean, who haven't I wrestled? Let's let's just let's just have a that's a shorter list. Okay. Yeah. And this, I want to throw this out. Did you happen to watch WWE's The Bump yesterday by any chance? No, uh, but I heard someone was on it. Yeah, me. <laughs> Can you believe that? Me, I was on that. 
Did you hear about that? Or are you just? No, I was, yeah. So I actually, somebody sent me the link, uh, our good for uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jesus. Oh, okay. That's good. We'll see. You know, now, and another thing too that I want to throw out there is that now that I appeared once again on WWE, you know, my price on the indie scene goes up. So instead of making $26, now I'm going to make 27 Because people go. automatically think, oh, I was on WWE television. So my indie price now is $250 versus 25 bucks the week before so no. i mean it's not the first time you've been on wwe something you've uh, you've you've been on wwe television wcw television yeah uh you of course the reason you were on the bump is because you trained bailey uh Ooh. who works for wwe oh that oh oh her yeah oh, I, I, thought, I thought i was they're gonna get pull me back in for another tryout match or something but you know have you, have I, you no, I, I i trained bailey yeah have you uh, have you uh, had any other workers, maybe a little bit more green, who are like, Jason? Guess what? I'm gonna get a tryout match. I'm probably gonna get signed. And you're like, that's fun. <laughs> I, I well, back in the day, I, I don't the back in the day, guys that would that they would call them up for extra talent and stuff like that. Um, did they ever think they were gonna get signed? No, I don't know. I mean. <sighs> I don't even know what they look for, to be honest with you. I mean, it takes this much talent and that much luck. So um, yeah. it, it's it's about being in the right place at the right time and what they're looking for at that time. You know, I'm, you know, as far as Bailey goes, I mean, her run is phenomenal. I mean, they're talking about all the act. I mean, she's a Grand Slam champion. I mean, all the belts. I mean, first ever tag team uh, women's tag. I mean, she's got definitely going to go in the Hall of Fame. I mean. Oh, and it's what's great is too is that you know, like you said, it's a lot of a lot of luck. Not not you know, not necessarily that she hasn't worked hard, but the fact that she got in there right when like the women's like renaissance happened in the WWE, like is massive because easily a few years ago you join and then you know they do a bunch of nonsense with you and then you leave and nothing ever happens. Right. So I yeah, when she got went in there, that's when the women's uh, in WWE. Now I'm not a big. I don't watch it, but I do watch it her i'll watch her match and then turn it off and or go to magnum pi on friday night or something (laughs) else or the history channel but um yeah when when she went there that's when the women's wrestling started getting they started getting not that the women's wrestling was it was more um lingerie matches and stuff like that and but they didn't take it seriously you still had great workers i mean you had ivory and you had, had um molly holly and gals like that but i mean not, it's not like on the level it is today. I think I think it's it's much better as far as the quality of wrestling goes. Oh yeah, based on what I read online, a lot of the people prefer the women's division in WWE to the men's division at this point. Oh really? Yeah, the way oh. it's booked, the way it's ran, everything. Pretty much, they're like, oh wow, this is what a turnaround this has become. Basically, yeah. I, I like I said, I don't I don't go to any of the um, unless I I'll watch myself. You know, I'll go on YouTube and watch my old matches. You know. Mm-hmm. Show my kids, hey, look, that's their T on D. Even no, I looked up some of them and someone uploaded them, but in parts. And I was like, this is annoying. So I was like, part one of Jason Styles versus Chavo Guerrero. Now I gotta go find part two somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah it's probably not even there. So you don't even know. I'm, I'm probably like, lost. I mean, when I always lost to BTW, so it's no big deal. That's just what <laughs> happens. <laughs> I was the champ, but I sometimes I'd lose all the time. So you know, it. Doesn't yeah. matter. My money was still green, so it doesn't matter if you win or lose. 
uh, boys and girls out there. It doesn't matter as long as you're getting your money at the end of the night. That's all that matters. So my favorite would be when they brought in like a name, mm-hmm. and uh, they had him booked for two shows. So on the first show, he would win the <laughs> belt. <laughs> you know, they're guaranteed to win that belt. Yeah, uh, I remember. I remember. Um, do you, I don't know if most people probably won't, but above average Mike Sanders from WCW mm-hmm. lost the belt to him on a Friday and won it back on a Saturday. So yeah, you know, anytime there was a double shot and there was a, and you're wrestling them both nights and you had a belt, you're definitely losing it on Friday and winning it back on Saturday. I mean, that's just the old yeah cliche thing. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I forgot about those. Oh, man. Oh, those always made me laugh. But uh, So speaking about working with the names and the bigger guys coming in to work, you know, the smaller shows, you've yeah. gone in and worked the dark matches. You've worked matches on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that process like? Like, how do you get called up? What's it like when you get there? Uh, working like WCW or WWF at the time or WWE now? Um, well, the, the, the process... So obviously they were going to call you, whether it be the office itself or they had another guy, some, I forget the guy's name that would book the, the extra talent all, all across the United States. Bill, I think his name was Bill Barron's. His name escapes, but I, I think it is Bill Barron's. So, I mean, he would say like, cause you know, sometimes Frankie Kazarian got me booked because this guy would say, Hey Frankie, who's on the West coast? You're like, Oh, hit up Jason Styles. They'd hit me up so the office would call or this guy would call say, hey, show up at this time. Uh, you know, they're going to use you three days. They're going to use you two days. Uh, Oakland, San Jose or Fresno, Oakland, San Jose, whatever they had. And you'd go there on the days they requested you to be there. And it's very, for me, it was very stressful because, you know, you're under the microscope and every little movement you do, it's like everyone knows who's the extra talent. Um so you're never like relaxed and, but towards the end of doing these, I was more relaxed because I knew what the, what the, how it was run. And, you know, like I, I, I always knew that I might get a match, but I knew they would never sign me for some reason. I just knew, you know, I, but I still enjoy doing it. And, you know, and that's something I will always have to say that I have done. But I mean, it's, it, it is very stressful. And I think most people that do these, you know, enhancement talents, I mean, you are on pins and needles and you try to put your best foot forward. It's like being on an interview for like 12 hours. You know, it's a long process. And if you're doing multiple days by the third day or the second day, you're pretty exhausted mentally from just trying to be on your best behavior, being polite, being professional. So, but it's a great opportunity and, and it's a great experience as well. So, you know, I can say I did it. I can say I was in WCW and I was in WWE too. Most indie guys can't. I mean, WCW, I mean, they're out of business. Those Only a few guys could say that. I think there's only a few guys in the Bay Area that could say that. Like Shane Cody is one of them. Because I know he used to do WWF and NWA matches. <laughs> He's even older than me. I'm 50. I think uh, Mike Modest is one of them as, as well. Um, I don't think he's in the area anymore. Is is Mike Wants in the area? Uh, I want to say he's uh, like way up north, I think. Okay. But anyway, there's only a handful of guys can actually claim that. So and I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm drinking a McAllen 18. So in case your viewers are wondering what it is, and it's just a little bit. I don't do it to get intoxicated. I just do it to sip it and enjoy myself. But um, Nothing wrong with that. No. So you get to the arena. Yeah. You know, it's time. Okay. 
who talks to you first? Or how do you know what, so what's the check-in process like? So, so the way it worked when when I was going was you, Sergeant Slaughter would sign you in. He was he was, he was a, an agent at the time, so he'd sign you in, and then you'd see he'd say go go find the uh, extra or enhancement talent dressing room, and there's all these signs that pretty much directed you where to go. You drop your bag off, and then they tell you to go eat. Now. Anyone that's been to as extra talent or jabroni, whatever you want to call them, the catering is the best food you'll probably ever eat. The food is phenomenal. I cannot describe how good it is. I mean, I could describe how good it is, but to actually see all this good food and it's in lots in big, huge quantities, it's unbelievable. And anyone that's been there will say, you know what, he's right. It's amazing. So, so you eat, and then they'll say, okay, go get dressed, and then go down to the ring about this time. They'll put you in the ring. They'll have you work out. You'll you'll lock up with Jamie Noble like six times. He like keeps locking up. It's like, what's this guy doing? Why does he want to keep locking up? He <laughs> wants to realize, can you move? Are you flexible? Are you rigid? Uh-huh. Are you a crowbar? So they have a weeding out process and then they'll bump you around and then, you know, they'll, you'll work out and you'll do some spots. And then after a while, someone will say, Hey, come here. They'll call you out of the ring and they'll pull you off to the side and say, Hey, we're going to use you in a match later tonight. And that you're going to be paired up with this person. You're going to be facing the Highlanders or you're going to be in a dark match with, you know, Brian Cage is your partner. And, you know, you go and pop the crowd, you're going to get a contract. Or if you get knocked out like Brian Cage did in Fresno, you know, you get signed. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, it all depends on where you're at and what they're asking to do. But it, it's, pretty much, it's pretty much the same. You know, you work out, they pull you aside and tell you. Or they say, oh, we have nothing for anyone tonight. Uh, go watch the show on a monitor. It's like, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to sit around and watch it. A show that I don't even watch anyways and on a monitor in the back. I want to get in my car and leave. Yeah. But that's a big, that's a big no no. So yeah. I used to be like was by myself. I just split, but so let's yeah. say someone went back to you in uh 1991 or 1990 even and said, Hey, you know that guy that shows up on the G.I. Joe commercials? One day he's gonna he's gonna be showing you where you can go work out in a in a professional wrestling ring. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I would be like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, the GI Joe, go Joe. Yeah, that's right. He was on GI Joe, and he used to have the jacket with the the uh, GI Joe emblem on it. You know, he yeah. probably made a lot of money off that because you know, I'm 50, and I remember I, when that cartoon was actually on television. I was a teen, a young teenager, like 13, 14. And I forgot where I was going with this. Anyways, but anyways. He probably made a lot of money. Yeah, he probably made a lot of money off that voiceover work and this character alone. So it, he was Sergeant Slaughter. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing that, you know, but if you were to tell me, you know, I'm going to be, you know, being told what. By the way, he's a very nice man, too, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. He's such a nice guy um, that if you, like you said, I'd be like, yeah, I don't. This guy's like, what? What am I going to be doing? Yeah, I don't think so. What year was it in, uh, when you went to WCW for the uh, match? 2000. 2000, okay. So based yeah. on a lot of podcasts I've heard, whether it be Tony Schiavone's or a few other people, um, that's already when the wheels were starting to come off pretty hard. Did you yeah. notice anything like that when you were there? Well, yeah, because when I – so let's, let's, so they were here – Monday night was in San Francisco. And then Tuesday night was in the Long Beach Arena. and. Long Beach, California. 
So I, I so Kevin Nash is the guy that actually got me hooked up on this deal, and, and, and I owe that all to him because he saw me wrestle in Lewiston, Idaho, and he goes, "If we're ever out in California, I'll get you hooked up." I'm just like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> yeah, and how many times you hear know, something like that? The thing about you know the, the wrestling business is that you know people say they're going to do a lot of things for you, and they never come through. It's always about you know talking just to tell that person what they want to hear at that time, and then down the road, nothing ever happens. It, it, believe it or not, he was actually a man of his word, and he actually did. He he got me in uh, San Francisco, and I was talking to Terry Taylor, and I brought the old VHS videotape for all you boys and girls out there. It was an actual tape that you stuck in the machine, and it played. And a resume, and I had it in an envelope, and he, uh, Kevin Nash introduced me to Terry Taylor, and um, he said, uh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a tape and a resume. He goes, I don't want that. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, nothing. He goes, can you be in Long Beach? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, we'll come down to Long Beach tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So I go to Long Beach, and I, I'm sitting there at security, and I'm just sitting around like, what's going on? Is anyone ever going to do anything with me? And the, as the day goes on, I'm still sitting there. They're like, okay, you can go to a catering. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And it's just, just like, there was no like direction by anybody. It was just like kind of this person would say something to this person. There was no like agent for a match. It's like, okay, you're with this match. You're against Robbie Rage. It was supposed to be a dark match. Now it's on television. And now you're doing this. And it's like, what? And then all the wrestlers just in a dressing room. And there's, it, it seemed like an indie show, but with, in a huge arena with not much direction compared to WWE, which would have all these signs go this way, go that way. This person would come tell you what to do and you'd go down there. There was always communications, excuse me, in, in WWE versus WCW. And, you know, it just seemed like, like the wheels were falling off the wagon. But, you know, after my match, and it's on the YouTube, um, they they liked, I guess, what they saw, and they said, give them a call. And uh, I called them in two weeks, like they requested, and they told me they were up for sale. <laughs> I'm like, damn. You know, it's like, yes, I finally got on WCW. I always wanted to go to WCW, because I always liked WCW and WA more than WWF or WWE. And I was like, yes, finally. And then, you know, you're riding that high in two weeks. It's like, and the rest is history. Yeah. You know, they got bought out and by WWE or F at the time. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, that was like a miserable time for me that I couldn't even watch. Like at that time, I was so bitter, but you know, after years of therapy and you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's helped. So, and here's the best part about it. I was supposed to get, I'll tell you how much I was going to make. I was going to make $400. I'm still waiting for that check in the mail. It's no way. <laughs> I never got it. I never got paid. Can you believe that? My <laughs> God, I didn't even get paid. They, I filled out the W4 or W2 form, whatever it was, for W9. I don't know what it is for a contract or whatever. To that, the announcer, Dave Penzer. Was his name Dave Penzer? Yeah. He probably fudged the paperwork and had the money sent to him who knows i never got paid never got paid 
As a guy who works the indies, you know, you're sitting there like, I expect this from the indies, but WCW? I know. Good Lord, you're on television. I was going to hit up Vince McMahon for the money. After he bought it, <laughs> but I don't think I had a claim. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. You got stiffed by WCW. That's Dude, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been stiffed by broken promises. And here, I'll show you another. This, this, can you see that? Yep. You see the name on there, Antonio Pena? Yep. He was the owner at one time when one of my many trips to Mexico actually sat in his office and another talk, 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 talk. Nothing ever happened. Call, I, the only thing I got out of that was an expensive phone bill <laughs> because that's when they didn't have like, you know, international calling plans and stuff. We're talking like 1998. <laughs> Anyways. So Next speaking story. of that, you know, uh, you started off in barrier wrestling. Yes. And you train, you know, kind of the old school way with yes. guy, you know, the Woody Farmer school and everything. Yes. Uh, so how did you end up getting into doing some Lucha stuff as well? Okay. That's a great question. And do you have an hour? I'm just joking around. So what happened was, so the, how I got the, the bitten by the Lucha bug was I lived in San Jose um, in the early nineties. And on this now, boys and girls, there's an old thing, a television that had a dial where you had to turn, the, you didn't have a remote control. So you had to actually get up and walk to the television and turn a dial. I know, I know. You made a thick chonk noise when you did it. it like, <laughs> yeah, well, that was the big channel, like channel two, <laughs> four, just five. Dude, that was, but the ones down below, the UHF, I think it was, that was like a fine dial. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they had the small, like all these small numbers. And, so channel 22 was Galavision and I saw triple a wrestling when they just first started. I'm like, Oh, what is this? This is wow. And I saw the athlete, the athletic and the acrobats, and all the athleticism. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And I was bit by the Lucha bug. And in 1993, uh, they were triple a was coming to San Jose. I'm like, wait a minute. I have to go buy tickets at the warehouse records. And I got this ticket in 1993. And from then on, my my fascination with lucha just took off. And um, you never know in the world who you're going to meet or who they know or what they know. But I actually met somebody that actually knew someone that owned a wrestling school in Mexico City. So a couple of years after that, in 1997, I actually went down for the first time to a place called... Um, here's another little snippet of this is called can you see that club atletico homily so felipe yeah. homily was a wrestler in mexico who also had a gym and was well connected he was on the commission in mexico city i didn't know none of this at the time but he was a, f a friend of a family member that i knew and i didn't know and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy, his name's Homley. He owns a gym in Mexico City. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, they have the wrestling and stuff. I'm like, really? Wrote him a letter back in the day when you'd actually write in pen and paper. And he, sp he speaks English, by the way. He's since passed away years ago. And I wrote him a letter, and he typed me back this letter. And he's telling me about, um, he's telling me how me and my partner can go down there and train for $14 a month with Connect. I didn't know who Connect was, but I watched a lot of Lucha Libre. I'm like, Connect. I'm like, wait a minute. That's connect. He's like the big star. So to train at his gym was fourteen dollars a month or three dollars a day with connect. <laughs> this is cheap. This is nineteen ninety seven. So that's that's how I started the whole thing with Mexico and going there. And I actually did go there and train. But the here's the best part. 
talks about my partner in this. And when I wrote him a letter, so do you know who my partner was? Not that we were a tag team, but he was my friend. You know who I went there with my first time? No, who? You got to guess. Oh. He was in WWE or F and he used to carry a scale on his shoulder down to the ring. Oh, uh, Crash Holly. Crash Holly. Mike Lockwood was my, we went together first time. That's amazing. 1997, we went together, Mexico City. And um, yeah, it was cool because, you know, we did go to the school. We worked out with there several days and we did train with Kinect who's a legend in Mexico. And he actually took us to a AAA event. And it was just like, it was a, the whole thing was a trip. And I was just like, wow. And that's how it started. And then a couple of years went by, went back. And that's when I went to AAA. I think Mike already was in USWA or signed with WWE or F at the time. I don't even know when they switched their name. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, so. Yeah, so that's how I started, you know, my, my love with Lucha Libre. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I still do today. I enjoy it. I, 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 that's the only kind of wrestling I really watch, like on YouTube, is, is Lucha. I don't keep up too much with the American wrestling. So. Not that I have anything against it. You know? Yeah, it's just what your taste is now. Pretty what much. my taste is, yeah. And plus, you know, guys in Mexico, they can wrestle till they're 70, you know, because they do a lot of shoulder rolls and they don't take a lot of bumps. So, you know, I'm 50, so I've got 20 more years to go. There you go. Hey, Chris Jericho's 50 and he was the AEW world champion, you know? See, there's still hope. See, and and let's let's go back to me being on on, uh, the bump yesterday. You know, I've been getting phone calls. WWE is interested in signing. (laughs) No, I'm totally joking. (laughs) They have no interest in me. I don't know why they would. They never have. But anyways. So now you're doing you're you're doing the lucha stuff. Uh you are yeah. you were training uh with some luchadors in Hayward for a while with Jesus, who was also been yeah. on this podcast. Yes. And then uh now you have your own uh promotion, correct? Yeah. So yeah, the, my promotion co-promoted with uh Mascaro Infernal. Uh we also have a school in Los Banos. Our promotion is called California Championship Wrestling. And we do shows monthly in Los Banos, but obviously we haven't lately due to the shelter in place and the COVID-19, obviously. Um, So all those shows that we had were canceled. Um, But no, we are in Los Banos. And um, with, like I said, the promotion is called California Championship Wrestling. And we are a Lucha promotion, but we also do American style matches as well. So, um, you know, once things get opened up and we're rocking and rolling again, you know, anyone out there, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, check out a show, give us a call or, uh, you know, go check us out online at California championship wrestling on Facebook and, uh, you know, yeah, go like it. it, go like the page so you can get updates on when they start running shows again. Should exactly. Exactly. I want to check one out. It's not too far. It's like an hour from me. Yeah. Los Banos, yeah. Los Banos isn't very far. It sounds far, but it's not like we say, if you want to go to school in Los Banos and learn American style wrestling and Lucha, you know, you drive a little, but you save a lot. So that's just something that we're, there you go. Both from a car commercial a long time ago, but you know, never <laughs> did, so. Oh. so what did you find is uh, the massive difference between working, you know, American style or Lucha with the audiences, with the other workers? Like what's, what's the learning curve for you? Well, at first it's a huge learning curve because when I, so the times like in 1997, when I went down there, I had no idea being not very, so there's there's watching wrestling and there's studying wrestling. I'd watch it then. I wasn't studying it. American is all left side. So you lock up left. There it's right. So right arm goes behind the right hand behind the head. American's left. 
Um, they work the right side. Americans in Japan work the left side. Uh, there's a huge learning curve. Um, so your muscle uh, memory is already out of whack right from the beginning. Exactly. But as you, it's, it's like learning a new language. Um, the more you do it, the more you get uh, familiar with it and comfortable with it. So like, like right now, I mean, it's no problem for me to, I just got to remember where I'm at. Oh, lock up American, lock up Lucha. Right arm, left arm, no problem. I can do it. So it, it's basically the learn. So, but in the beginning, it's like having two left feet. It's like, oh my God, you're completely lost. You have no idea, you know, what you're doing. And, you know, if, if I knew what I knew back then when I went there, I would have been a lot better off. Excuse me. Um, but, you know, but yeah, there is a huge learning curve. And that's why you don't see a lot of guys do both because it's, it's tough. And just like, you don't see a lot of like when you put a Mexican wrestler in with American guy, if they don't know any American style, it's, 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 you've seen it on television. It's a disaster. Yeah. That's why you gotta, you know, you know, dip your toes in both sides of the pool and, you know, and, and be comfortable working both because if you're not, I mean, it, there is a, and if you don't know the names or how to communicate or call a spot in Spanish or even know the terminology, you're going to get lost. I mean, thank God, at least I know that. I mean, I, I mean, if there's one thing that I know it's, it's, it's in when I can think like in my normal day life, I'm not a good multitasker. I can't, you know, multitask. I can, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's, not easy but when i'm in a wrestling ring everything seems to go like at a snail's pace in my head and i can just boom 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 and that's where i'm like always comfortable thinking is in a wrestling ring so and thinking in spanish thinking in in, in english it doesn't matter so you know it's just you know it, it whatever you put into something is what you're going to get out um i always wanted to, i've always since i've been doing wrestling it's all I ever wanted to do was wrestle. And the hardest thing for me now is that I'm getting older and I know I'm going to have to retire sooner than later. What am I going to do? You know, that's the hard part. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Are you still going to keep training? I, yeah, I'll still train guys, but it's not the same. Mm. It's like being a chef, but you're not able to eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I don't know. That's, that's the, the, the sticky wicket for me now. It's like, what am I going to do? I can't do this forever. Well, I got 20 more years, so I'll be seven. There you go. Just yeah. keep working Lucha. You'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Tuck your chin and roll. Just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my neck is in great shape. And, like, you know, after be, you know, being off for all, this amount of time, you know, your body gets accustomed to bumping and, you know, it gets calloused. And, you know, as, as I haven't taken a bump in months. I think the last, the actual last wrestling show I was on, if I recall correctly, was big time wrestling show at the beginning of, I don't even know what month it was at January. I think it was. I think it was January. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last show I was on. We had all these events lined up in February and March all canceled. So is this the longest stretch you've gone without taking a bump since you started wrestling? Well, I've since my, well, I had my shoulder operated on years ago, so I was out for about four months. I think with that, I think that was the longest since I've been in wrestling, but this is getting, well, this has been a couple months now. Yeah. Keep going. It's like, when is this going to end? But um, yeah, this has been a while. This has been the longest. I think I've, one of the longest times I've not taken a bump. I don't think I even remember how (laughs) it's a scary thing or or it's going to, how bad is it going to (laughs) hurt? A person's going to be a shock for sure. Oh, 
I don't know. I don't know if my body will be able to take it. <laughs> what, did, uh, what about as far as like locker room uh, politicking and etiquette and just all that kind of stuff? Like what's the difference between going to a Lucha locker room and an American locker room? Um, well, I think in a Lucha locker room, if you're like the only gringo or two in there, I mean, they're, they're cool. I mean, no one's, they're not, I mean, I think there's more politicking because I can understand more. I mean, I'm not fluid in Spanish, but I mean, in American locker rooms, I mean, you definitely get, I think, more politicking or clicky-ish, you know. You know, everyone has their own click as much as, you know, in, in, in American locker rooms that I've seen. Um, usually with, with, you know, but even in Lucha, I mean, I'm, you know, if I'm the only white dude or a couple of other gringos or whatever, you know, we're all huddled. I try to mingle with everybody. I don't, I just, I'm kind of a loner as it is, but, mm. and just kind of just say hi to everybody and just kind of just, you know, to go about my ways. I've never had any issues in a locker room. I've always, you know, no one's ever, actually I had people steal my sunglasses on a Lucha show a long time ago. In, in Damn. The Bay, at the fairgrounds. Yeah. That's cold. That's not cool. I mean, Juventud Guerrero stole my belt in the year 2000 as well in December. I mean, first it gets stiffed by WCW, then this guy steals my belt. Hold on, let's let's go, let's rewind on that one. <laughs> you don't know Juvent, the, the juice was loose. Yeah, the juice is a thief. <laughs> so he stole your belt. Stole my belt. Which belt was this? Well, it was an original belt. It was okay. So. And I think it was, well, obviously it was 2000 because that's when he stole it from me. Um, December of 2000. It was an original belt. It looked like, it looked like the old intercontinental belt from, well, I think they even use that belt still today. That, that style with the, like the, block, the square blocks. Like, oh yeah. They actually just got, they were using it again and they just got rid of it again. Okay. Uh, well, but yeah, that is the most gorgeous belt they've that's had. The that's my favorite that, one. It looked like that, but it said light heavyweight champion on it. It was an original belt. It was an original belt that I got from a guy that needed money. He was a wrestler. I won't mention any names years ago. And he needed money. And he bought this belt for like $1,500, $2,000 at the time. And he needed like 300 bucks. I said, and he goes, well, can you give me like a thousand? I'm like, no, I'll give you 300 bucks. Maybe that's why I got the belt stolen from me. So I gave him the 300 bucks. I had this belt and it was the, it was a light. It said light heavyweight champion. It was a gorgeous belt. Uh, an original there was it wasn't a replica belt it was an original by reg reggie parks i think the belt maker mm -hmm. and uh, oh god what was i thinking to let that guy he said he was going to bring it back like the next week or something because he's in, in california he's a bullshitter you know at the time i was just so stupid and it, you know it's just one thing that it completely kicked myself in the ass over still was letting that moron take that belt. I mean, I'm just as dumb for letting him take it, but yeah, he stole it. And he'd see it on CMLL or all over the place. And then I don't even know where it's at. It was 20 years ago. It's out there somewhere. And if someone sees it, you know, you know, and there's a receipt that that guy's going to get someday. He's going to get a receipt. And, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. He stole a belt and then just, stole a belt. Never... And you know what? I remember Kirk White told uh, Chris Benoit the story. And uh, Chris Benoit, you know, people say what they want to say about him, whatever. I met the man. He was a nice man to me. And I'm not going to say anything else. We all know that, how that story ends. But he actually confronted Juventud when Juventud was in uh, WWF or E, whatever. 
and when they're doing that Mexico's gimmick, whatever. And he said, Hey, why did you steal that guy's belt? And he goes, Oh, the promoter owed me money. He goes, that, that belt didn't belong to the promoter, it belonged to the wrestler, Jason. Why did you take his belt? And he didn't have, didn't have anything else to say about it. I wish Chris Benoit would have kicked his ass, but you know, the guy is just, he's just and a lot of people have a lot of heat with the guests with Hoobie, you know, I guess that's what you yeah. think about. The guy's just a douchebag. I mean, he's a typical scumbag loser wrestler that just rips people off. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go out and beat this guy up or because I'm not going to. I have people do it for me. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But it's just shitty. You had this belt I mean, the and guy, the guy took it. The guy is probably just, you know, he's a miserable piece of shit, you know, because, you know, yeah, he's so he's a name. Who cares? You're a name wrestler. What does that mean? Do you have a bank account? I mean, do you? What are you doing now for money? You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He's just a jerk off in my book. Why would you steal something from somebody? Yeah. Especially in a business that's very like camaraderie heavy. You know, the whole thing is like when, when workers like, you know, there's like a whole thing where like, I know this from working at different indie promotions. The way wrestlers are with each other and the way wrestlers are with other people is a completely different thing. They're like, we're in this together. We're all workers. We all like, it's a very like brotherhoody, like fraternal thing. Everyone calls each other brother. Yeah. Yeah. If you're into wrestling, I mean, I call everyone brother. I mean, I got it from Hogan because that's what you do. We're all, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. And this guy, I mean, whatever. I mean. Yeah. It's one thing to like, you know, you steal from, let's say he, you know, he works at WCW. He steals the WCW Cruiserweight belt. A big deal. You know, Turner, Turner's got money. <laughs> yeah, they can get 20 more. This yeah. is an original, not a replica belt, and then he stole it. I mean, it's a well-known story. I mean, I guess the, the, as the years go by, people forget and move on and retire from wrestling. I mean, I've just been at the dance forever, so I'm just sitting in the corner now. It's like, oh, yeah, I got all these stories for you. But, yeah, he stole my belt. 2000. See, a lot of, a lot of deep wounds. So the thing in wrestling, if anyone is going to be a wrestler, be, have a thick skin because I don't know how – I mean – now nothing really phases me or, or I'm shocked by because it's all it's happened a lot has happened to me and you know it's, I've seen it all been promised this that and nothing happens you know and you just get your hopes dashed on the rocks and you got to have a thick skin it's really um you got to really think about if you really want to do this or not and it's a, it takes a toll on your body and this the nonsense you got to put up with but if I had to do it all over again would I Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Without a without a second guess, I'm I'm doing it again. So, especially uh, you know, it's you alluded to it a little bit earlier when you're talking about you know uh, when people need something, they're a whole lot. You know, they act differently. You know, so like for instance, like uh, you know, you have a wrestling ring. Sure. So yeah. So when uh, other people need a wrestling ring, hey, all of a sudden we're really good friends with Jason. Hey, Jason, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. That's just the way it is. Hey, brother, how you doing? Uh, last time I talked to you, what? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, people, the thing about wrestlers and they always looking out for themselves and for their next booking. That's just the nature of the beast. No one cares. They're just looking out for themselves and their bookings. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, like I've been in the game a long time, so I, I know what it's all about. And nothing phases me, like I said, or nothing shocks me now because that's yeah. what it is. It's like, Where's my next booking and how can I get more, you know? And, you know, but I mean, for the most part, people are genuine now, you know? Um, I think the internet has made it to where 
it's a little harder to get away with some of that bullshit. Probably, you're gonna yeah, be yeah, using because people. Back when I started, there was no internet. And, you know, for the first several years of my in, in wrestling, um, there was no internet. But uh, yeah, thanks to multiple podcasts, I know that Terry Taylor's a dickhead. <laughs> you know what? Believe it or not, he was very nice. Really? But, oh. Yeah. Yeah, but you know the funny thing, you know, honky honky tonk man knows that story how I I didn't get my money, and every time he saw Terry Taylor, he'd ask him, "Where's that kid's money at?" He's like, "I have nothing to do with it." But uh, honky tonk man, he likes to hassle people. He'd hassle them for me. I never asked him to. He just yeah. he's just a ball buster, you know. So he seems like he'd like to stir some shit up once in a while. Loves well, yeah, you know. So have any guys, uh, you know people coming through uh whether it be big names or not have any of them you know been stirring shit up when you were at a show that you were like okay this is a bit much for someone to be doing this here um yeah i've, I've actually seen um big van vader throw a, a fit in the back over money or something and and kirk white put him in his place i was like whoa i was shocked i'm like fuck he's telling big van vader off Leon White's a big man, and uh, and he's known for potatoing the shit out of people in the ring. He didn't potato, man. He just like cowered. I'm like, whoa, yeah, it's it's a true story. I saw him do it, and you know, um, and then the um, Tony Atlas flipping out about something or another about I hate California, flipping out. I don't know, but he <laughs> the trip in himself. I've I've been on the road with that guy before. It's like, oh man. You know, the thing about that guy, he, you know, you see the things on the internet about that guy, about him and women's feet. You, you know about that? No. Well, he, oh, he, go, just look it up. He always, he's asking women. You can ask Shane Cody this. Shane Cody sat behind me the entire time on this road trip. It was me. I was driving this van and Tony Alice is in the, in the passenger seat and we have all the boys in the back, Johnny Payne and, do uh, you know who Johnny Payne is? Mm-hmm. One of Buzz Sawyer's students, old, old school guy like me, one of my good friends. Um, and then, you know, Rex, Shane Cody, Rex Farmer's behind me. And we're just listening to this dude this, the entire time. He's talking about women's feet, women's feet, women's feet. I'm like, what's up with this guy? It's like six hour car, eight hour car. This is multiple towns. And it's like, what's up with this dude talking about women? And every place we stopped, every woman he went up to, he asked what size foot they had. It's like, dude, this dude is a trip. True story. You talk to Shane Cody, he'll verify everything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, any other wild it. road uh, stories as far as, you know, you could travel to a lot of different places. So. Yeah. Um, let's see. Wild road stories. I mean, there's a few times I've almost gotten some bites. Um, but way up north, I don't even know what city it was. I think a Wairica or Crescent City or, I don't know. So we're all drinking at a bar afterwards and some of the locals, I mean, didn't like me, I guess. I don't know. I didn't like my hair or back when I had it and whatever. So we're going to fight these guys out in the, in the parking lot. And someone, and, but the bar was here. And right next to the bar was the, our hotel. We literally just walked across the parking lot. Someone ran and got Cody. And Cody came out, this is a true story, to come fight, wearing a pair of skivvies and his cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. <laughs> And these dudes just looked at him and go, what? And he goes, oh, are we going to fight or what? And they just left. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That well, sounds like something Cody would do. 
yeah i'm like what, what is he doing I'm like what are you doing but yeah i mean um you know just you know crazy i mean it's crazy as what just drinking or you know just partying afterwards and that's I just remember one time after a BTW show, we went to like a TGI Fridays or something and Cody, he orders a couple of shots of Jack and he has them lined up and he just lights up a cigarette in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> and, the, and the waiter comes by, he's like, uh, sir, you can't smoke. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And we're just sitting there like, what, yeah. what do we do here? Cody. Oh, I remember one time he slapped someone around, but oh, that's actually another Shane Cody story. Great guy. I've known him so many years and just a wonderful person. Um, we were, this is true. This is true. We were wrestling somewhere, I think on that same, that same loop with, uh, with um, um, uh, Tony Atlas. So we go to this bar. It's me and Cody. We go together and we're drinking and people there at the bar, like the bartender was at the wrestling show early. And he's like, Oh, Hey, he actually gave us shirts, shirts at the bar. So Cody starts drinking, I think it's Yukon Jack or Jack Daniels, one of those, and he starts chopping people. And he starts chopping this one lady. And we're on the same arm, too. And the guy that just gave us shirts, the bar owner, kicked us out five minutes after he just gave us T-shirts because Cody was just chopping people. Cody has a habit of chopping people, random people, after he's had a few of them. But I was just like, dude, what are you doing? And... And the best thing about it is later on that night, he accused me of stealing a shirt. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I didn't steal your shirt. I have my own shirt he gave. See what happens when people drink? You yes. get kicked out of a bar. After, the, after they just gave you a T-shirt of the bar, you get kicked out, and then they accuse you of stealing their T-shirt. <laughs> that's, that's the only crazy stories I have. No one uh, taking a dump in someone's bag or anything like that. That's, no. Yeah, that that's that that's where that's the part where I hear about the old pranks and the old days where I'm like, that doesn't seem great. I would, I would uh, there's no. nothing funny about that at all. Yeah, no. it's like oh, hilarious. You're a dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and not only that, I mean, just imagine when he perched like a bird and put the purse over. Your, I mean, how do you go about doing that? I mean, no, that's not that's not for me. I don't do ribs on people, or I, I'm just a guy that just jokes around. Yeah but not pulling ribs. I'm not a ribber. Speaking of chops, uh, who had the hardest chop, would you say, that you've taken? Top three? Yeah, see that. Hawkeye Shane Cody is going to be there at one or two. His father, (coughs) Woody Farmer, oh, my God. And then Tatanka. Yep, those three. Yeah. They stick out the most in my head. Um, Shane Cody... Chopped me when I was when I first started. I think my third match, I wrestled Shane Cody on a t- television tape, and he chopped me and split my skin on my chest. Cody had a chop that would split your skin. Jesus. Yeah, he can chop me now. It doesn't even phase me. I mean, he still hits hard. Yeah, I'm still used to chops. I'm just like, but back then, holy shit! I mean, it, it would make you want to piss your pants. So, yeah. Just be glad you weren't uh, shaving your head back then because I remember one time at a BTW show, he was, playing, he was against this bald dude and he just palm slapped the top of his head. just <laughs> And you heard that thing from the back of the, ro- back of the room. I wonder who that was. That he was I, don't, I, don't, I, I just remember the, when I picture my head, it's just like a really heavy set guy and he was bald. And he think Vic like Grimes? Huh? Vic Grimes? No, it wasn't Vic Grimes. If it was oh. Vic Grimes, I would have remembered that. But I just remember he just, he wailed back and just, 
just tagged him right on top of the head. Have you said ball headed guy? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't recall. A friend of mine. Uh, he. Tra- I guess he trained at BTW, but I think it was after you were uh, you were already gone from there, and uh, he had one match only. Uh, that match was against Shane Cody. Oh, and then he quit. Really? <laughs> yeah. He must have chopped him. He must have, yeah. yeah it's I was like, oh, is that the? That was the time when I'm thinking, like in a like in a movie, you know, like I'm figuring him as the chop is going down, just like record yeah. scratch. Uh oh, <laughs> I shouldn't be in here right now. <laughs> so, so this had to be within the last five years, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Wow. That's too bad. Well, tell him to come over to my place. There you go. No one's gonna. Ch- no one's gonna chop you to death. Oh, we'll chop you, but not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when you're training and you're, you know, you're doing the Lucha style and then the regular training you were doing at BCW, what's the difference in when you're training Lucha versus training American wrestling besides the style, obviously? Well, like, is it more like more cardio intensive and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. What's the vibe like? Yeah. I mean, it, well, it all depends on what you're doing. I mean, I mean, there's more chain wrestling, like their matches are set up differently. I mean, if it's two out of three falls, uh, I mean, believe it or not, this might sound a little crazy, but I'm going to break it down to you. It's actually kind of easier to wrestle Lucha mm-hmm. because you only have one spot in each fall. If you think about it, you have three falls. You only do one spot in each fall. So you still do a lot of st- – so in, if there's three on three, there's three spots in each match usually. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's easier because you, you only have to remember three bits. But you also got to remember some other stuff too, as well. But um, sorry, my phone just buzzed. But anyways, um, I mean, American rest. I mean, so what was the question again? Just like, what's the difference in like how you approach the training of it? Like, well, the, well, the training. I mean, there's a lot more. Um, you do a lot more like rolls and stuff, and lucha, and, and back rolls, and shoulder rolls, and this roll, and flipovers, and and kip ups and and chain wrestle versus american you don't do a lot of the same training techniques and stuff like that um usually like american wrestling you just can do some rolls you're going to maybe do some shoulder rolls um hit the ropes you know do some you know whatever mexican wrestling or lucha you're going to be doing like you know hurdle over guys in a circle and then you're going to you know jump over them and then you're going to do 80 shoulder rolls and then you're going to do a a forward roll to a back roll and you're going to do that 20 times and then you're going to flip over guys back and you're going to you know you know guys going to be bent over at the waist and you're going to go on his back and go on his feet so you're doing a lot more acrobats versus and then more moves versus doing spots where american style wrestling when i would be training or you're doing spots you're doing some chain wrestling but mostly just doing spots you know corner work uh working on your boots and kicks or and, you know or individual moves where a lot of the structure and beginning of a lucha class it's more learning how to kip up or okay so a lot more focus on agility exactly versus actual ring work so okay and i mean that's like for an hour i mean you'd be doing that stuff it's like wait when do we get to wrestling it's like yeah yeah i mean i remember going to training down with ray mysterio and there would be like 30 guys in his class no seriously 30 guys and then be on top of this parking garage and, you know, you'd run in a circle on the entire top of the garage. And then all of a sudden one guy goes down and you're, you know, leapfrogging. And then the other guy leapfrogs the two, then leapfrogs the three, then there's four. So after, you know, if you're at the end, you got to go over 30 guys 
And then you go down, then the last guy goes and jumps over everybody. I mean, by the next day, man, your legs are so sore, your calves from exploding over each guy. It's brutal. So, I mean, it's wow. very, I mean, you got to have a lot of cardio. They, they, they do a lot of that type of training versus like then later on you do like a couple spots and then practice is over. But, yeah. So. so when you're, when you're training people, like how good are you at, are kind of uh, feeling out how good someone's going to be versus how natural they are versus, you know what I mean? Like, so like for instance, someone like Bailey, when you, when you trained her, do you like immediately notice, okay, there's something to her that, yeah. that she has that other people don't? Well, I don't, I don't think it's like they're going to, you know, they're going to be a star. It's like they, they understand how it goes, you know, not to be so, uh, be able to think on your toes, be able to react. Um, how much of an athlete are they really? Um, can they follow a simple command and direction, take direction? And if you explain something to them, are they going to catch on to the spot and, and do it? If you give them, uh, uh, you know, like critique them, are they going to next time uh, reinforce that by doing what you told them to do? Um, so there's a lot that goes in. I mean, it's not just, you know, locking up and doing a spot. I mean, it's like the, the technique of the spot, um, so there's a lot of different factors involved. So, I mean, if you just lock up with somebody, you're not going to get a good indicator. You can get a good indicator if they know what they're doing. If they lock up and they punch you in the ear or they potato you, it's like, what is this person doing? Which has yeah. happened to me. I mean, you go to lock up and they clobber you right in the ear. It's like, are you kidding me? Just hit me in the ear. How does that even happen? You know? But so, yeah, there's, there's certain indicators that would, you know, tip someone's hat how good they are or how bad they are. So what they need to work on, what they don't need to work okay. on. So. How, how many guys would you say, like, what's the percentage of people that wash out? 90%. Yeah. Most, because most people are always going to come up with an excuse not to do it. I can't come to practice because I have to work late. I can't come to practice because I hurt my toe. Tell me why you want to come to practice. I never came up with an excuse. I mean, there was times I missed yeah. practice, yes, but – I was the guy that's always, you're always going to get the people that are always going to be hundred percent dedicated and the people that, you know, I have to work a job and I have to go to school. It's like when I started, I was playing football in college, going to school and working and mm -hmm. found time to be a wrestler at the same time. So don't tell me it's how bad you want something. If you really want something bad enough, you're going to dedicate yourself to do that. You know? Um, so yeah, mine was, uh, my car got stolen. That was, uh, I trained at Pro Wrestling Iron for six months. Okay. My car got stolen. I could have taken the train and gone to, kept going, but I didn't. And the reason now I knew years later was obviously it wasn't for me really. You know and what I mean? And it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's like saying, um, you know, everyone likes to drink whiskey. No, that's not, it's not for everybody. Or people don't want to drink regular soda versus, it, it doesn't, it, everything is for, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And you're going to find that out early on. Yeah. One, one of the, for me, I told myself there's nothing that's going to stop me from not doing, from doing this. I was hazed. I was, you know, you know, whatever, but not bullied. I don't use that term bullied. It's just part of the, the hazing. I'm just, whatever. These guys weren't going to deter me from doing it. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I was dedicated and I was hungry and I wanted to do it. It's, you can't be half pregnant. You got to be pregnant and you got to, you got to really want to do it. Cause if you're going to do it half fast, you're not going to do it. You got to be fully committed and really want to do it. And you got to like pain. Cause if you don't like pain, you know, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. so, I'm, I'm in pain all the time. Yeah, you know, getting my belt stolen and uh, getting stiff. By <laughs> you know, 
Oh, beat man. up by Vito and you know, not beat up, but yeah, you know. just dealing with dicks. <laughs> uh, uh, just too many of them in wrestling, apparently. It seems There's like. A, well, I used to be one. Maybe that's why I got my belt stolen. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. uh, yeah. If you catch the, uh, if you watch the intro of this video, you see Jason Styles in the intro for the video. Is that me grinding your on the bow? Yeah. That's what the clip Hazy sent me, by the way. What he did not send that? me a clip of you doing a move. He only sent me a clip of you entering and then grinding your bow. Where's that at? <laughs> Where's that from? Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not, you know when I do that, I'm not being serious. I'm not really trying to be sexy or nothing. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the irresistible one, Jason Styles. What are you talking yeah, about? Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like I was kind of getting thin on top too. My hair. That, 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 <laughs> that was not me being trying to be sexy at all. That's me just doing a goof. But of, of, of everything that I've ever done, that makes it to, to the intro. That's what Jesus sent me. I only put on there what he sent me. So you know what, Thanks, Jesus? Really Send me better clips of Jason Styles. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, brother, it's about that time. Kirk White has ran out. He's very upset. Oh, no. It's time to take it home. Get in the hook. And uh, so we're just going to finish out with some rapid-fire questions. Yeah. Uh here we go. Favorite move or hold that you don't use? Drop toe hold. <laughs> Joking. Um, Crossface chicken wing. Big Bob uh, Ackman fan. Not. No, I'm just joking. Craziest fan interaction you've had? Craziest fan interactions? Getting chewing tobacco thrown on me after I got clothesline in the corner. I'd spit. At the end of the show, guy grabs chewing tobacco and he throws it on me. That's just vile. Yeah. See, what a, why are you bringing up all these bad memories? Were you already dressed by that point too? Yes. Oh, that's even worse. Yes, I was dressed. Had not been dressed? Yes. Oh, you're like these are my clean clothes. Dude, what did you do? Come yeah. on, my oh. tank tops ruined. I'm joking. Probably. Uh, besides, uh, att- like attempting to injure you, what's the worst thing someone could do when you're playing when you're facing them in a match? What's the worst thing they can do? Yeah. Lock up, get nervous, freeze, conf- forget everything. Not uh, I was going to say, has a booker tried to stiff you on money, but we've already covered that. Come on. <laughs> ripped off by everybody. I've been ripped off by the, uh, by the commission in Mexico. Come on. Belt Dang, you, you're, you're an inter- intercontinental stiffing. So <laughs> that's what you've yeah, gotten. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Fuck. Sorry. This is oh, that's fine. All, it's fine. All these, all these, um, all bad memories that you're bringing up. Um, here you go. Here's a good memory. Hardest you've laughed at an indie show. Hardest I've laughed at an indie show. Oh, when this guy, um, probably one of the worst wrestlers out there. He goes by the Crusader. Wait a minute. No, that's not him. <laughs> um, hardest I laughed. Oh, when a guy jumped on the top rope with a chair in his hand. I don't know how he got up to the top rope, jumped into the ring, dashed rip rock, clotheslined him, knocked him down, and they pulled him out of the ring and his pants came down. You're talking about a fan, right? Fan, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you asked me about a fan interaction? No, no, no. I'm just saying because you because you just said someone jumped on the top rope and I was like, yeah, no, he, a fan make sure did, it was a fan. He okay. Climbed up, I don't know how he did, climbed up the ropes. It was standing on the top rope. I'm like, what the hell? Jumped in, boom, clotheslined him. Dashed rip rock, just ripped him out of his shoes, and then when they pulled him out of the ring, his pants fell down. How many times have you been in a match and her fans jumped in? Uh, a couple, t- only maybe two. 
Okay. You must have seen it more times when you're not in the ring, though, or at least heard about it after the show. No, like, no? I, no, no. I've seen guys take bumps when, when they someone threw a clothesline above their head. Is that the worst thing I could ever see? <laughs> That's yeah, always I've fun. Seen that, I've seen that twice in my lifetime. <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. They uh, threw a clothesline, not at chest height, but above their head, and they still took a bump and sold it. They didn't get hit. Anyways, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that wasn't me. Not me by any ways. Uh, worst gimmick you've seen? Worst gimmick would have to be the Crusader. <laughs> Boone no. just getting torn apart. No, I'm, I'm just, just getting torn apart. <laughs> Boone is my buddy. No. Um, worst gimmick? Um, if you don't want to say their name, you can just describe the gimmick. No, if I want to say worst gimmick, I want them to know it's the worst <laughs> gimmick. Um, I don't know. Um can you give me a clue of any kind? Oh. I can't think of who should, what do you think is the worst gimmick? Is it um, your additional Jason Styles? No, you know what? Let's let's morph it into something else here. Uh what's the uh what's the worst trend you've seen where everyone seems to wear the same gimmick over and over again? For instance, after Raven was in WCW, how many guys did you see with oh, jean shorts and a cut-off black t-shirt? Oh, okay. How about this? How about worst gimmick? Guys that wear t-shirts to the ring and wear them while they wrestle. Yeah. Anyone that wears a t-shirt to the ring. It's like, come on, man. Dusty Rose didn't wear a t-shirt. Come on. Take yeah. off the t-shirt. If you don't like the way you look, don't wrestle. Go work out. Give yourself yeah. a better shape. So that's the worst gimmick. Guys that wear t-shirts when they wrestle. I don't wear a t-shirt. I'm 50 years old. I don't want no t-shirt. Maybe I should. <laughs> no, I think you're okay. I, I think uh, th- there's been uh, workers where maybe, uh, especially uh, – you work some of the, the lucha shows with maybe some of the older guys and uh oh yeah well some of them well they wear t-shirts but you know sometimes they take them off but yeah I, guys that wear t-shirts okay not a fan not a fan uh what's your joy in wrestling something that you experience it whether it be before the match after the match just something that has to do with wrestling that gives you just the most joy when it comes to it uh getting paid or when the show's over <laughs> Okay. The thing that gives me the most uh, pleasure is seeing young guys wrestle. Not seeing young guys wrestle, but the excitement that they get and how excited they are to do it and just to be part of a show. That's what, or when it's their first match and, you know, that, that makes it exciting to see the, how excited they are and how passionate they are. That, that's what I like to see. So. But the money is also good as well. <laughs> So that must be why you, you know, train and continue to train people. It must be because you're like, selfishly like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> well, where the hell don't get rich off of it? Uh, yeah. So I can put my kids through college. There you go. So you must be extremely psyched when you say you get, you know, you like seeing these people young and excited. Someone like, you know, Bailey makes it to yeah. the big time and you're like, yeah. yeah. I had something to do with that, you know? Yeah. Thanks to the irresistible one, Jason Styles. Um, That's why I was on the bump yesterday. So for all you boys and girls out there, take a look at that. You'll see me on there. Exactly. Uh, Any, just close it off. Any other pranks or embarrassing stories you can remember? Pranks or embarrassing stories? I probably will remember after I sign off with you, but. um, That's fine. I'll have to let you know, but pranks or embarrassing stories. Getting your belt stolen is embarrassing. Embarrassing enough. Um, one day, one day we're gonna get we're gonna get that ball back. Let's put a I'm, call out there to anyone who sees this. <laughs> yeah, if anyone sees that belt, please uh, return it to me. I like to imagine Juve just wearing it like at his house 
with like a bathrobe on with like yeah. nothing else. And he's just looking in the mirror and he goes, never Jason, Jason Styles, <laughs> yeah. never again. <laughs> you yeah, I, don't, I, I bet you he sold it to somebody. That, that ball's surprised. long gone. He doesn't have it. Someone else out there has it. So mm. I can't think of anything. Uh, uh, remember to check out California Championship Wrestling on Facebook. Make sure uh, to go there to, uh, you know, when when shows open up again, when the world yeah. gets back to normal, uh, you know, we can go support indie wrestling. That's the main thing. Please support indie wrestling. Uh, Jason's an old man, so he doesn't have any social media, <laughs> so you can't check him out on there. Hey. But it's totally fine. Hey, but, but, but if you want to get a hold of me, get a hold of Paul, and Paul will be happy to give you my phone number. There you go. I don't care. Accepting bookings now, Jason Styles. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But you can call me if you want to just talk or whatever. Please, serious inquiries only. Don't call me up hassling me and <laughs> I'll weed them out. I'll see. I'll see what's going on. Oh, I'll check the references. <laughs> I just became your de facto agent out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot, so. And uh, I'll just end on one quick question, uh, just because Boone was on here last week. Yes. Any chance of going to Hood Slam to do a show? Well, you know what? I, I, it, it, you never say never. Um, if they wanted me to be there, I'm, there's a, I can think of one individual that I don't think is a big fan of mine. Um, he's a coach, whatever, because we go back a long ways. So I don't know how much he likes me, the coach. Mm. Coach. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, maybe everyone else out there knows. But anyways, you know, whatever. I'm always open to anything. Um, it's not my cup of tea. But, hey, if it's a new market, why not? Who cares? You're not slashing the comedy department. It's about entertainment. It's about entertainment. And, you know, you should never take yourself too serious. You know, this isn't 1980 where you have to protect the business. You know, it's it's exposed. And it's about having a good time and being safe and enjoying it. So, As I always say on here, wrestling is like a buffet. You know, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of hardcore, a little bit of old school, a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of high flying. Just give me a little bit of everything and I'm gold. Exactly. Makes everyone happy. So, all right, sir. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. you being on here. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Podcast, Jason Styles. You have a good night, sir. You do the same. Take care of yourself. God bless you. <laughs> Be safe. Take care.